Welcome back to the podcast, Safe Talk with Safe Start, and I'm your host for the day, Tim Page Bodarf. And over the last decade or so, there have been many discussions regarding the usefulness of behavior-based safety, or some people call it BBS. With the resurgence of many different approaches, namely HOP or HOP or Safety 2.0, and quite possibly Safe Start with its new holistic human factors approach, BBS may be lagging and in some circles appearing to be sunset. Today, we thought it would be important to bring in a consultant who has been around the BBS block, but also traveled the highway of many safety initiatives. Shane Arnault has been a consultant as long as Larry Wilson has, and was there from the very beginning. Shane has lived up to the ups and downs of the industry and has great experience. But before his error reduction consulting days took off, Shane also worked a little bit in broadcasting for a few years. And last but not least, Shane thought it would be important to have a discussion for this podcast instead of an interview, and I thought I would oblige. Not that we're going to get into a Lincoln-Douglas debate per se, but we will have a great conversation nonetheless. So, Shane, thanks for coming to the podcast. Thank you, Tim. It's good to have you. Um, you've got some great stories. I've heard a lot of the stories between you and Larry. Just Can you do me a favor? Give us and the listeners a kind of a Reader's Digest version of how you and Larry met and how that friendship blossomed. Sure. Okay. Uh, it goes back to 75. Uh, we both went to the same school, Carleton, that being the Canadian uh, version of Carleton, Carleton University in Ottawa. And um, we were separate directions, if you will, for the most part, but uh, I happened to run into him a few years later at an airport. He had been in Los Angeles. I had been working on the oil rigs. Uh, he was returning home to work for the family business. And at that time, their only foray into VBS was with a company who had a program slash process. They did not even really, uh, I don't know if we want to say they were too smart or anyway, they were cagey about it. They didn't refer to it as a VBS offering. And it was one of the major, as I said, uh, petrochemical companies in the world. Anyway, so he um, he was elected to sort of take over that initiative, and he knew that I had some field experience, and with it just being a burgeoning sort of, you know, very, very out of the soil sort of initiative, he, uh, he didn't have a lot of employees. He asked me to help out. I said, hey, I'm no safety professional, but I, I do know risk. You know, I've, uh, I've worked a lot of rigs overnight. I worked underground and in mine smelters, tore up rails for CN Rail as summer jobs. So I was one of the fortunate ones. Uh, as I don't know what kids do nowadays now that a lot of the factory jobs are gone, but I'd, I'd seen risk and and had been a party to good and bad safety. So I agreed to help. And uh, so I shadowed him for a while and then got going on it. Uh, he, he, uh, he wanted to turn the corner. He had asked for some changes to be made because of what he saw as being necessary for people to accept uh, BBS. And if I could just maybe go back, maybe that's enough of an explanation as to how I met Larry and how he uh, enlisted me. Uh, but I think a basic definition uh, it needs to be said here. And, you know, from, from some of the early founders, they would, they, would say, they would say that if you are doing BBS or calling what you're doing BBS, it has to have behavioral analysis as one of the founding parts, one of the foundational cores. To that, I guess you could add a little bit of some of the elementary aspects of TQM, uh, total quality management, some statistical process control. And then, of course, there are the nuanced things that we have to know how to speak with people, how to listen, and and how to avoid conflict. Uh, because I think one of the better definitions, I mean, it is she, isn't it? It's it's safety, health, environment, or HSC. And so even though when you're doing behavioral safety, we're not really concerned with a person's overall long-term health, but I would venture to say, and I think you'd agree, that if I'm at a press or a lathe or working, you know, doing some industrial job that has risk, 
and some fella comes along, some person comes along and says, excuse me, can I, can I observe you for a few minutes? Unless he and I are on, you know, great terms, and I think there's no risk here. I'm not worried about being turned in or him, you know, critiquing me unnecessarily. There, there can be some nerves. And I think so, you know, in some of the processes that I'd seen out there, some of the applications that I'd seen, as opposed to allegedly we were out to make people safer, but I think in a lot of cases, um, we went the reverse direction. In fact, I had people tell me, man, I was really nervous during that thing. So Larry, with his insights, he, he saw that and he started making some some much needed changes. Um, and so some people were saying that what we were doing way back when, 22 years ago, wasn't real BBS. And I'd venture to say that now that some people have dropped out of the game and aren't offering their products, uh, they were saying that it had to morph and had to change. Um, he had made those changes a long time ago. And they were quite good. They were quite good. And in terms of SHE, yeah, if it could be she, it could be EHS. I mean, HES. There could have, <laughs> there's so many acronyms out there when we're in the world of safety. But as far as Larry's concerned, I think you, can, you and I could probably sit down at a campfire, probably with several, maybe thousands of drinks, and have maybe a conversation about Larry all night long. Um, unfortunately, the podcast really isn't about. Larry. And in this situation, it really is about what you perception wise think about BBS. So you gave us kind of a, a little bit of an intimate, I don't know, I would call it kind of a definition of BBS that might need a little bit more fleshing out. So if you could just, yeah, could you just kind of give us a 20,000 foot view of what you think BBS is? Well, its main goal, of course, is to achieve better safety, to reduce injuries, to reduce the close calls that are behind it, right? And so it's a systematic approach to achieving better results, you know, where safety is concerned, uh, typically within a company. Um, and, and that's a point I want to bring up here, as I said, is that these were always company initiatives. And a lot of people you know, would, would, would like to say that this is something you can take home. Um, but, you know, we use a picture in our Safe Start presentations that shows uh, probably one of the worst pictures ever taken of my wife and I took it. Um, she didn't really volunteer, but I slapped, I slapped, I threw, I asked her, I asked her. <laughs> Do you ask for permission? I'm using rig language here, right? I slapped a hard hat, you know, with ear protection. I said, here, wear this. And she was just, just starting to, you know, cook up a, a sauce or something. She said, I feel like a jerk wearing this. <laughs> I said, it's okay. I said, the only reason I want you to wear this is I'm trying to, I want to be able to show this and in a presentation and say that, you know, we have all of these wonderful things that, that safety professionals, all the tools that we use at corporations, including observations and BBS, I said, but we, um, we're not going to use some of those fundamental things like PPE in the kitchen, you know, or, or in the bathroom. So I think it made the point. I'm not sure she ever appreciated the picture being circulated globally, but anyway. It is global. I mean, it's on literally every train the trainer's desk (laughs) because it goes through a great, uh, it's really good for a segue about, is this what your house looks like at home? And from a behavior perspective, that's uh, that's a great point that you made. And then to get her to take the picture, I'm impressed. That was good. So there's an expression, just let me uh, just, just, just tie the knot on this one, tie it off and close the loop. There's an expression in French, uh, il prend quatre ans sous pour faire une pièce. And that's Quebec French as opposed to French French. Uh, <laughs> but basically what that means is, man, you're taking four quarters to make a buck. And so <laughs> you asked a while ago for a definition and I got into it and segued away. But just to complete it, BBS or behavior-based safety typically 
can be said to to have five or six components. You know, number one is that we have to identify, you know, at a baseline level, we have to identify target behaviors or important elements that need to be done correctly or adhered to, right? So these are the things that we would put on a checklist. Now, slight departure from the order of what some companies say, you know, the order in which you have to do things. Uh, Larry, I thought wisely put in plan to observe, you know, as opposed to identify target behaviors and then make up an observation card that has all these things listed. He put plan to observe, and that was fundamental in a big change in, in the process called SafeTrack because the idea was that if people don't really want to do it and they just willy-nilly decide to go out on the floor and you know, one, two, three, and I'll pick the third person, there's a good chance towards the end of the week or the month of the cycle that some people have been over-observed and some people have not been spoken with at all. And so you really do want this to be a uniform thing where at the end of a month or a quarter, you can say that we have spoken with everybody in the plant or, in, you know, wherever it is. And, yep. and so, you know, that planning to observe was a big thing. And of course, using the checklist was necessary. And then a bigger deal was, of course, the, they call it observation feedback these days, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a good thing because originally in BBS, uh, people said, well, we would go and observe people, but nobody talked about the idea that maybe it was considered a no brainer that we would also communicate. And uh, more to the point, we would listen and ask questions, you know, the constructive questions that got them thinking and didn't leave them nervous. Final two steps, of course, were to track and record all these things. And that's part of the statistical process control, part of what they do in big time quality initiatives, and then to analyze and seek out solutions for some of the problems that were brought forth. Um, and the final thing, I guess, just to tie two things together here is he thought that those five or six steps are all wonderful. Uh, but well, let me ask you a question, Tim. Um, I don't know, I've never even been in a car with you, but would you say that you're a safe driver 90, 95, 99% of the time? Um, I would love to say that, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll stick with that. So what I'm getting at, <laughs> even if you and I exceed the speed limit by, you know, as far as the highway patrol are concerned, acceptable limits, I think most reasonable people would say, yeah, we, we, we drive safely most of the time. So doesn't it get our goat if the only time we get stopped by the police is one of the few times that we've done something wrong and, and we wish we could hold up a tape and say, look, 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 look at the last 3000 hours of my driving. You know, it was impeccable, you know, let me off. And it doesn't work that way. And so the idea of planning an observation in advance and saying, okay, I'm going to go out, pick a name here. I'm going to go see Tim. Your name would never go on the card at the end of that. There's none of that whatsoever. But I knew that I was going to see you. And so there is a 90% chance, 99% chance that you're not going to be doing anything unsafe. And some people say, well, what's the point? You know, we can't catch them doing anything wrong. And I thought, yeah, you're the same guy that said when we started this thing that you didn't want this to be a gotcha thing and, and trying to catch people. So we were out to do three things. If need be, get rid of the at-risk behavior, which, as I said, is minimal in a, in a well-managed place with a, with, a, you know, with, a, with a good workforce. Number two is to make sure that, if I can use the term recidivism or something, to make sure that all safe behaviors didn't slide backwards, you know, and start to form uh, into to, to be a not quite so good. And then the third thing, of course, which is at the crux, and I'm sure this is going where we're going to go. And, and that's uh, to lend some positive reinforcement to the ideas of eyes and mind on task. I mean, if you've been at the same machine 48 weeks a year for 15 years, chances are we can figuratively do it in our sleep, right? Yeah. And yet we know we can't, we shouldn't at least. And so the idea was let's find some really good creative ways at asking the guy questions about his knowledge, training and, 
you know, ergonomics, whatnot. But we were out to provide what we call positive feedback or positive reinforcement. And a lot of people think that positive reinforcement is, is um, attaboys or girls, right? You know, somebody coming by and say, thanks, Jim, for doing a good job. You know, thanks for wearing the glasses. And you'd be looking back at me and go, but it's a condition of employment. <laughs> you don't need to thank me for following the rules. And, and again, um, I don't think he, uh, I hate to keep referring to Larry and Larry Wilson, but I don't think he had a background in psychology per se. But I think anybody that played on a team in sports realized you want genuine feedback. And positive reinforcement from a psychologist standpoint, the idea meant that you are adding to or reinforcing in a positive, positive way, meaning adding um, to what is going to strengthen that behavior. And so anytime we could have a conversation that it didn't have to specifically say, how do you keep your eyes and mind on task? But if we were going in that general direction, that helped uh, increase those, those neural pathways that we speak about, right? It helped the subconscious aspect of safety. Yeah. That, okay. So you made like a couple of great points and this is going to be good for the next question. You kind of teed it up for me as if we practiced, I have to say that there's, couple of things in the in the background that always is an underlying thing for a lot of BBS op opponents. And that is that BBS in their mind, and it's been a negative marketing ploy that BBS has always blamed the worker, but you actually went straight to the point and said that it would be good to uncover unintentional error and it would be good to talk about things that are habitual as opposed to the deliberate error. And I've heard this between you and Kevin time and time again about how people should approach and that there's a hat for deliberate error in that it doesn't say safe start or safe track on it. And when you put that hat on, you go after that person and then you have to uncover for sure that's deliberate risk or deliberate error and that you can discipline them in that way. But when it becomes a disciplinary game, it also leads to, well, what most people say that, that are against BBS is that it's a blaming game. And you're going to hear quite a few unions that say that. So other than this transition away from being a blame game, is there anything else that's been major in either BBS or as you refer to it, and it's been in circles as an observation feedback system, has it evolved? Absolutely. And I think like anything else, if it doesn't evolve, it's it's going to die, uh, you know, an ugly writhing death. Um, you know, the, I, I, the one thing that we, you and I did mention before we did this, and, you know, some people think it's, it's a, an untoward analogy or example, but I, I used to like it. And I used to say this in classes. I'd say, you know, I'd, I'd pick a guy or a person sitting right there and I'd say, hey, so you and I have never met, but imagine you're standing there, you know, waiting for your drink, your coffee, your, your beer, what have you. And I'm 40 feet away and I am just staring down the length of the bar and, and, you know, the, the eyes in the back of your head, so to speak, are picking up on it. And finally you lock eyes with me and I can, I can see, even though you haven't spoken, your message to me is buddy, you better be somebody I knew in high school or something that I can't really place right now because you're really making me uncomfortable. And, and so even when we took, took great pains to have information sessions to let people know, this is not going to be a blame game. We're not out to intimidate whatnot. Uh, some people just couldn't get away from that thing of stop looking at me. You know, you're making me nervous. I don't like it. Uh, unfortunately, it, it is true. And I think, you know, there are probably five major schools of behavior-based safety out there, or at least five major providers historically. And I was doing some reading, you know, a few days prior to this. And, and both of them, both of the big ones, apart from our own Mr. Wilson, 
said that all too many times the process was not done as it should have been done. And people being people, um, they would wreck it, you know, and they would go after somebody. Uh, the biggest thing that we used to run into many, many years ago, of course, was, and I remember this was always coming. They'd say, okay, you guys say that this is not about disciplinary action. We'd say, yeah, you're right. It's not. I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be doing this as a job if it was. They'd say, okay, why do you have lockout tagout on the card then? Because that's one of our seven deadly sins. That's a viable offense and so on and so on, right? And I'd say, fair enough. I said, but you take a guy that's been at it for 30 years. He's everybody's godfather. Everybody loves this guy. He's skilled. He's nice. And um, one, one summer weekend, there's not enough people to cover the night shift. And so he says, I'll cover the night shift. I don't mind. And so he does. But for the last 29.9 years, lockout was a three-stage you know, thing. There were three bits to it. And we just recently added a fourth. And this is the same guy that actually signed off on it, said, I like the change. I used to think that should be part of it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hip to it. But somebody walking by or somebody doing an observation is talking to him about something. And all of a sudden they look down and they realize, oh, he hasn't done the four steps, right? And so somebody said, well, if I'm a leader, um, I, I can't walk away from this. And so what I used to tell people is that if we, let's say you have 500 people in a place, if we did enough observations that were about other things and we built a consensus that this is about helping people, it makes it easier to tackle that other subject. But again, we do not wait we don't go looking furtively. We don't go looking for that infraction. What I would do is I'd walk up to you and say, hey, Tim, I know you don't have to lock out right now, but can you show me how you would do it? And you'd show me exactly how to do it. I'd go, well, that's amazing. And, and I'd say, what are the odds that anybody under stress, if they're rushed or tired, could maybe forget to do that? And so the word spreads, right? And so I think there's always a better way to approach some of these contestable things. And, and that's what we always tried to do, get at the problem before it became a problem. Yeah, that's a great point. Get at, get at the problem before we get the problem. That's really what most SHE professionals look for is to basically try to eliminate. And we, you know, we've, I think we uh, collectively, I'm talking about Larry and the masses have done a really good job at, you know, coming up with things like anticipate error and being able to put yourself in a situation that you can do that from the inside out. But you and I both know that that zigzag of complacency moving up and down with external stimulus and observers and all the stuff that goes with behavior-based safety is, is should be, I think, perceived to be one of those things that should be good. Um, whereas the evolution, as you, as you mentioned, um, can always, can always go towards the negativity because, you know, quite frankly, they probably did it wrong. They didn't do it right the first time. And um, then you got to go back and fix it. So, I mean, have you ever been privy or part of a group that had to go back and fix something that went bad? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Kevin and I um, had to do that a couple of times. Certainly by myself, I've had to, you know, Larry's probably ended up with half a million air miles doing just that. And, and it, you know, that's not to fault um, the the implementation by whatever company. That's not to fault even any of the individuals. I mean, we're people. <laughs> Human beings know how to mess things up, right? You know, and, and so unfortunately, I mean, anytime you invite into the mix and you ask people to go out there and critique their fellow, their fellow human being, um, it's, whew, I mean, you, we almost need a doctorate in, 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 in the soft touch, right? Yeah. We, we have to know how to do it. And so I, I guess one sitting on the outside, you know, could say, oh, I did this whole thing was going to be problematic from the beginning. And so if I can just go back to your question of 
has it evolved? Yes, it has. And dare I say that I think some of the evolutionary um, aspects that are in Safe Track, they were done a long time ago. Um, we actually don't use the process all that much anymore because, again, it's, it's there was a tidal wave of ABS happening many, many years ago. And a lot of things, some of which you mentioned before, and the one that's closest to all of our hearts, Safe Start, they, um, they tend to have, um, you know, taken the place. And unfortunately, I think just like it is in fashion and music and car styles and anything else, we live in this world where it doesn't matter how good something is, people feel the need to move on. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, what's said in academics, you publish or you perish sort of thing. So right. that's that's unfortunate. Uh, yes. But, you know, just, just let me close off on this note with this. And that's, okay, you can get rid of some of the, the big uh, polysyllabic terms like discriminative stimuli and, you know, getting rid of all of the big, uh, you know, nine syllable polysyllabic <laughs> psychological terms. And that. And I, yeah, I used to get fellow oil riggers sitting there looking at me going, what'd you, what'd you do? Eat a dictionary yesterday, buddy? I mean, you just bring it down to earth, will you? So we can get rid of that stuff. We can focus on the unintentional. We can really, really make one of the foundational bits helping people. Okay. While we're getting out there. Um, but I, you know, the, the 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 two most basic aspects to me of BBS that are going to help it evolve is keep it centered around doing a bit of observing, but a heck of a lot of communicating and listening, and taking those findings back and making sure if Tim says to me there is not enough light in this area, and if I put that down on my card, I shouldn't just hope that it makes it over to the uh, lighting electrician shop. I should be following that thing, running it up the flagpole, as we say, and making darn sure that some of the concerns. I took the trouble to ask you what's wrong. You told me, let's move on it, right? Let's get it fixed. And, um, but as far as some of the heavy end, you know, behavioral analysis and looking for trends to develop, if a place only has 200 people, an accident could have happened before you see a meaningful trend. So I think that's the biggest part of evolution. I like, I like it. Um, actually there was a disagreement. I'm sorry, a disagreement debate, same stage in a, in a major safety conference where Conklin and, you know, Geller got on the same stage and talked about the differences between, you know, the old BBS and the new HOP or the new safety 2.0. And there was a great discussion about that, what you just talked about. Um, if you were to find during an observation something systematic like lighting that needed to be fixed, was that a systems approach or was that a behavior-based safety approach? <laughs> And it doesn't matter to me how that was found. It just it just was found. And that if a person is able to give you feedback during a systems analysis or a behavior-based safety observation, you shouldn't care. You got the information and now you're doing something about it. So that was a perfect thank you, grateful point. I appreciate it. Okay, so next question is then what does Safe Start the company, the organization, what does it have that closely matches observation and feedback? Well, the closest match is, is what I've mentioned a couple of times, Safe Track. Um, you know, it's, 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 its name says it all. It's about safety and it, it tries to track behaviors and trends, uh, whatnot. And so it's substantially different in some meaningful ways. Although if somebody was to just give it a, a quick flyby and, you know, they looked at that card versus one put out by, you know, that red and white thing that was put out by a massive chemical company. Um, that, that's still going, but they may not see much of a difference. Uh, but yeah, its name is Safe Track. Okay, good. And then I think you mentioned rate your state along the way. Is there I any did. difference? Is there anything differences between the two safe track and rate your state? 
Yeah, I think of one as uh, a full-blown sedan and the other one as a sports car. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll both get you there. You know, you can't you can't put as much baggage. You, know, you can't put as much or take as much out of uh, one. And rate your state is, again, uh, just um, I don't want to fall all over myself, you know, sort of pandering and, and congratulating who named it. I don't know who named it, really. But, but that's it. We are just asking people to, um, can you rate your state? And sometimes we'll we'll say, hey Tim, have you got a moment? Uh, would you mind if you could, if you could just take a minute here? Uh, I'll give you a card and I'll hold on to one, so we're both looking at the same roadmap. And uh, you know, it's got sliding scales, figuratively speaking, zero to ten. And could you rate your state for me? And then you'd maybe just tell me, well, I'm actually in a real rush, so I'll mark that as eight. And that's you know, note to you, Shane, get out of here, <laughs> leave me be. Um, and if you stay too long, I'll be at a seven. But right now, I'm calm. I'm I'm good. I'm at a two frustration. And most people that know themselves and know the game would never give themselves a zero at complacency, um, you know, unless it's something that they're doing for the absolute first time. But we just ask them to rate where they're at. Um, you know, and one of the finer points we used to say, where are you at right now? And to me, I, fiddlesticks. I mean, if a guy wants to say I'm okay now, but this morning I was actually peaking at a nine for these two things. And, and at the end of the day, I'm probably going to be about a seven at complacency because I will have done it. So I'm not really time sensitive. I'm not really, you know, caring. I, I can imagine some people going, no, no, no. I just want to know where you're at right now. But if he wants to divulge more information and what he's doing, of course, is saying aloud, what he's uh, he's anticipating where he's going to be or where he was and i think that's all relative uh, the most fun i've had on rachel state though was uh i asked a guy who was in chicago uh, outskirts and i said have you got a moment and he said no no i do not like get out of here and i said yeah. okay and i said he <laughs> like he knew safe star right i said so it sounds like you're at about a nine or a 19 with the frustration he said yes i am and you want to know why and i said another day but you don't have time and he said no i got time for that and lo and behold, before you knew it, he had actually spent 10 minutes of his life, 10 minutes he couldn't get back, telling me all about why he was so frustrated. But some good things came out of it, you know, and he vented and he calmed down and he laughed at the end of it all. And he goes, there, I feel better. Um, <laughs> but no, it is really meant to be, I think yeah, it's a tool. Uh, I don't, you know, if I'm asking you, I, I don't want to say I don't care. I care. But you're not telling me, you're not rating your states for me. You're rating them for yourself. And if we yep. follow that little initiative... Right through, of course, well, you know the drill. It's we're asking you to rate your state. And then, of course, we're saying what errors could you get into if you're in uh, one of the higher you know, realms of any of those states and uh, what could happen to you. And, and if you mention something kind of trivial, I say, well, do you think something worse could happen? So we always obviously end up with how could it be worse? That's a great conversation. I want to tell you, I think we were together in East St. Louis and we went to you know visit a, a private company that, that runs a water facility and and. Uh, I ended up having that same conversation moving up the river towards Peoria and having these folks come in and there's a water distribution worker, you know, digging trenches and same question. Like you got time for a rate your state. And he's no, I don't want to talk about anything right now. I'm in the middle of something. And, you know, and literally he stopped just like you just said. And I, I thought to me that I was walking away. He's like, well, what, come on. I don't, I'll, and, he, and he literally calmed down in a matter of like 30 seconds and, and had that conversation. And I don't know if, if, you know, if we hadn't had that conversation, I felt like it was an intervention at the moment that was supposed to be. And, you know, who would have known what would have exactly. happened after no, that? No, 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 you're, you're, you're quite right there. 
You know, just a word on that. I'm, I'm just going to do what I'm famous for. I'm just going to leave my wingman here for a second. I know, I know what you're <laughs> speaking about. I was, well, you you mentioned Peoria, so I have to go here. Um, this particular company had canceled uh, doing an implementation twice. Uh, this particular part of the implementation, and so they called me down, and I flew down and and and, and uh, got there. And it was really, really windy and raining hard. The plane barely landed. I was glad we made it onto the ground. I was awoken at 1.30 in the morning. I've never had a five-inch, eight-foot-long bow go through the sliding glass doors of my hotel room. I mean, I've never had such fright. You know, you being a former Marine, you probably know that stuff, but me, no. Um, anyway, so I, I knew something was going on. And then, of course, the air raid sirens are going on. And what would happen, of course, is a tornado went through Peoria. I mean, it's in the wow. record books. It went through Champaign-Urbana maybe two hours later, or, or, or a different cyclone went through there. Anyway, we got together the next day to start implementing, and Rachel State was barely born then. But I remember thinking, what am I doing here? I mean, these people are, are getting messages from friends and relatives saying, hey, I found some of your family pictures a half a mile from your house. Wow. I mean, their belongings were strewed over. Some people had no place to live. And, and, and I just thought we have to cancel this. And somebody said, well, we, we've, 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 we've pushed it back twice. So we thought we should go ahead. But I just remember thinking, I'm so glad we, we were doing something else. We were doing classic safe start, not Ranger state at that moment. And I remember thinking this isn't good. So when the program was finally born, I remember thinking this is sensitive stuff that you're, you know, we're doing. And so your example is entirely valid. You know, about we'll, we'll never know just how how good some of those conversations were. And I think it's like fishing, if I can use the analogy, that when you go out, most experienced fishermen will say you go out for the activity, the relaxation. You're not necessarily always going to catch something that's worth taxiderming and putting on on the mantle above the fireplace. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so the so the benefits don't always have to be huge and extrinsic. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. But I, you know, thank you for bringing that up because it brought that it brought that memory back. And I thought maybe perhaps we did, maybe we did save a life. And that's all it means to me. All right. Last question. We're running out of time. So Shane, in your opinion, what's the future state of observation and feedback? Will it survive? I think it will. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I weigh the flag. I'm a fan of it. Uh, I've had many arguments with many friends who are still on the side of industry because they're skilled at trades and I'm not. But I, I, I do think I agree with, um, uh, I'll mention his name. I mean, you mentioned Mr. Geller. It was Thomas Krauss, uh, you know, head of BST when it was, uh, he was the one that said it's, it's, it needs to change. And, uh, and I agree. But I think the future is, I won't say it's necessarily bright because between you and me and the listeners, anything that's called behavior-based safety, and then when we realize we need a better name for it, so we come up with observation feedback, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, change the name of the band, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, but no, I think those fundamentals, as long as we are on this planet or any other planet, I think we, um, we, we need to be able to see each other's points of view. We need to be able to communicate. And if I could just quote something, I just found it on the internet wrapping up here. turns out that this was uttered by a man, Bill Bullard, who was a um, Republican, uh, representative and then senator, and he just died actually on I think December twentieth or December nineteenth of uh, of last year uh, of complications from good old COVID. But his quote was, I think it's his, but he's uh, he said, "Opinion is really the lowest form of human knowledge. It requires no accountability, no understanding. 
the highest form of knowledge is empathy. And for it requires us to suspend our egos and live in another's world. Okay. It requires profound purpose, larger than the self kind of understanding. And so I think that is obviously meant to be applied to much bigger things, mm-hmm. but in, in a small little old observation or rate your state or, or a BBS observation. Yeah. I shouldn't be commenting on how Tim works and what you do just because of an opinion I have. I should be going out there firsthand to get real knowledge and understand what you're going through at that moment and, and help, help sustain where we're, where we're at and, uh, and make it easier to go forward. That's perfect. Okay. So having a podcast like this, we've got large amounts of good communication delivered to the masses. And I think one of the best success factors that I've seen through what SafeStart provides, whether it's through SafeTrack or observation feedback or rate your state, it doesn't matter, is the level of communication. And I think one of the big things that I've seen from you, Shane, is over the years is that communication is one of those traits in a behavior-based safety system that could make or break it. I hope that all of our listeners that are going through this get an opportunity to visit with Shane. So Shane, if you can do me a favor, let them know how they can reach you. Uh, simply through email, uh, Shane at safestart.com. Um, my, my English mother had to uh, be different. And, and so she put a Y in that. So that is S H A Y N E. So that's Sierra hotel, alpha Yankee, November echo at safestart.com. Perfect. Shane, thank you so much. You've been a great you, uh, podcast. You've been a great podcast guest. And I want to tell you that I think that um, it would be kind of cool to get you on to talk about the dirty little secrets about Larry. I think that's going to be the title of the next podcast with Shane. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the not so dirty secrets about Larry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> if we could keep that at 30 minutes. All right. Yeah. All right. So All right. to our to our listeners out there, if you know or, or know anyone or know of a potential topic you'd like to hear on a podcast, reach out to me or Danny at Tim at SafeStart.com or Danny at SafeStart.com. We would love to have you. On behalf of the entire team, Kevin, Kelly, Danny, and Tim, we say thank you for listening and joining us at Safe Talk with SafeStart. I'm your host, Tim Page Potter, and we'll see you down the road. Bye.